Hey everybody, welcome to Know Your Gear QA Live number 250. That's right, that's 250 episodes. There it is, we did it. <laughs> so we need, to, uh, we need to get into some subjects. I want to go to one of the first questions of the day. And uh, this came from Fred who says, Hey Phil, your thoughts on the Duesenberg less trim two for Les Paul better than Bigsby. Um, you know, better, you know, you know, we all hate that word better, uh, because you know, it's different. I prefer it. I like it. I've used it. I have a video on it, uh, where I put it on my SG and then I moved it from my SG and put it on, uh, the Gibson V, which now Ralph has. And actually I love that bridge, but it was on the V <laughs> and when, when Ralph said he, he'd like to buy the V off me, I was like, all right. And then he's like, you're going to leave the bridge on. Right. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how, but I'll, I'm going to get another one and stick it on my SG again. I really miss it. Um, in fact, I bought a second SG just for that purpose. So there you go. But I like that bridge. So that's easy enough. Um, and then the next one came from Eddie. He says, Hey, Phil, did you see the chrome wrapped silver sky on the Super Bowl? I did. Uh, I might even have a picture. Do I have a picture? Do I have a picture? <laughs> I do. I do. Let me open it. Here it is. Can I make it bigger? I can. Look at that. Look at that. Now, can I show it to you guys? Look at that. It's awesome. All right. So this is it. Uh, if you don't know, this was wrapped. They also did the Jackson bass. This is a wrap on the guitar. And uh, Paul Reed Smith did not do this. I believe neither did Jackson. This was done by the production team uh, of the Super Bowl. So they did this. They wrapped this stuff in chrome. So... There you go. Will that will that uh, will that mean we have a silver s silver sky coming soon? I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I don't know. <laughs> it would. Uh, have you ever seen the silver uh, the chrome? I shouldn't say silver. The chrome silver or the chrome uh, Joe Satriani, um <laughs> Ivan his guitars that are five grand. So you could imagine what they would want for that. Even if they wrapped it, it's gonna be going to be pretty crazy um so yeah as soon as that's like the the joe's joe's guitar i, I yeah I, I get it i think it's cool i definitely think it's cool um i'll be honest with you it didn't really do anything for me it didn't like whoa is that a chrome guitar really what it was i think like a lot of us guitar players watching the super bowl it was like a silver sky, you know, right? Because think about this. Earlier when he was performing, um, he was playing, I think, a jazz master. It could have been a Jaguar, but it was a, a, definitely a Fender offset. It was a Fender. So he was playing a Fender. And then when Eminem came on, he had the silver sky. And I think what's exciting about that is, uh, <laughs> at least for me, watching him play the silver sky was like the first time I saw it. For me, it was Neil Zaza. You know Neil Zaza. If you don't, you should check out his stuff. Uh, I saw Neil Zaza play uh, with Bill the Buddha Dickens and Bob Bobby Rock, Bob Rock, Bob Rock, Bobby Rock, the drummer, and uh, they were amazing. And he was playing a PV Wolfgang. He was a sponsored PV artist, and he had a PV Wolfgang. And <clears throat> when I saw him that night, it was kind of the same feeling as this: like, whoa, he's playing a Van Halen. Whoa, he's playing the John Mayer guitar. So I think. Um, I, I think there's an excitement to that, at least for me. When I started seeing uh, musicians play the EVH amps or the EVH guitars, you know what I mean? The first time you just, like, the, like uh, I think when we saw um, uh, Jack from the White Stripes play uh, a Wolfgang, I was like, 
whoa, he's playing a Wolfgang. You know what I mean? It's kind of exciting. So I had that kind of same feeling. So it wasn't the chrome for me. It was just seeing a silver sky in the wild because you're like, you know, he could he could have grabbed a Strat, you know, but he pulled a silver sky. I know he's a PRS artist, but, you know, still, he didn't have to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so it either tells you he likes the guitar or he wanted to maybe support Paul Ritz Smith. That happens too. Artists do that. So we're all, uh, all, all, we all kind of do that. When a company's treat you right, you're like, hey, might as well give them some love back, reciprocate a little bit. So there you go. That's all I had to say about that. By the way, that was the extent of the Super Bowl I watched was the halftime show. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> I, I, I think, uh, uh, I didn't wait until after the show, but at somewhere, uh, at some time I realized like the Super Bowl is probably almost over. I went on YouTube and put halftime show and it came up and I watched it. It was very cool. For those of you who like the Super Bowl, please enjoy. Um, okay, let's, uh, <laughs> Ross says, remember the like button. Yes. Hit the like button because no one can see the dislike button now, which is the dumbest thing ever. I saw where I guess I can add the dislike button back. I'm trying to figure out how to do that. It's somehow it's on your Chrome browser. I will figure that out. My mission this week is to put my dislike button back. As I've told you for years, I do not believe the dislike and like button are disconnected from the uh, from the met- metrics, right? In other words, uh, the analytics that you get, I think YouTube doesn't care. I've always felt like this, that if somebody hits dislike or like, I think analytics just count it as a... Um, an interaction and it propels the video. So whether you get a, you know, a ton of dislikes or ton of likes or some kind of variation, I don't think it matters. It, you know, it propels the videos. Um, so... So that's first. But second, I just thought the dumbest thing ever when they took the dislike button away. They didn't take it away. They just don't let anybody see it but the the creator, which is dumb. (laughs) I don't know. This is dumb. So I'm going to put it back. I'm going to figure out how to put it back. Um, So (laughs) it's dumb. Uh, The... um, Oh, okay. So somebody says you can see the uh, the thumbs down on Firefox. Yeah, it's uh, like I said, it's. I mean, I heard their reasoning for why they took it away. I can't obviously. I don't have any proof that that's why they did it or didn't do it. It doesn't feel that way. It feels like they're just trying to obviously do what big corporations do: manipulate the platform so that you know the very corporate interests could come out ahead. <clears throat> and who the hell likes that? Nobody, except for the corporate interests. All right. But that's not guitar talk, so we won't talk about it. We're going to talk about guitar stuff. Um, JB2 said, I remember when we celebrated 100 episodes. <laughs> See? Think about this. Yeah, 250 just seems crazy. Um, the first episode, I believe, was like in November of 2016, so you know. And if that, sometimes that math doesn't line up because you're like, wait a minute, 250 times 52 weeks a year. It's because for a while, and still to this, to this, to now, we do bonus podcasts all the time. So they're not always on Friday. Sometimes we add one every once in a while. We used to do it more. I do it less now. Okay. um, Because I'm usually making videos or working on other stuff. Okay. Let's get uh, back to questions about guitars. Uh, K3X says, Hey, Phil, I just ordered my Pedal Pal 800 V3. And uh, what other preamp pedals are worth a try? Victory, Blackstar, any other options? I, I'm sure Victory and Blackstar is great. Unfortunately, I've never tried either one of those uh, pedals. Uh, for, for overdrive pedals that I think 
do an amp justice. And that's kind of what I think about the Pedal Pal 800. It does the amp justice. In other words, it's got the vibe. It's got the 800 vibe. Um, I love, I mean, I absolutely adore my PV5150 uh, pedal. I love it so much. <laughs> I just do. I love the noise gate in it. In fact, I've said this before. I like it better than the amp because I like having the noise gate. I don't think it sounds as good as the amp. Um, but I think it's so close that it's like, okay, it gets me in that territory and I like having the noise gate when I have that much gain. I also really like the Friedman small box uh, overdrive, the Friedman BEOD, the Friedman uh, Dirty Shirley pedals. Again, I have, I have, um, well, I don't have the BE amp, but I had, you know, I have, I'm familiar with the amp, but uh, um, those, those pedals all sound like the amps to me. It gets you in the territory for sure. Um, in fact, I can tell you right now, if you were to take, and it just, again, I can only give you my opinion. In my opinion, if you take the, the Pedal Pal 800, the EVH 5150 pedal by MXR, the, the BEOD by, you know, Friedman, the small box, the Dirty Shirley, um, I believe, and put those in like a Fender Hot Rod Deluxe or even my Fender Delu uh, 65 Deluxe Reverb, um, they all get you so close in that territory. Like, because as someone who has those amps, I will do that all the time because I can just plug in and get a good sound and sounds great. Another one I highly recommend is the uh, Lawrence uh, Petros LPD-87. Um, that is a great overdrive um, preamp style pedal. I use mine all the time. In fact, uh, I think I've told you this. I have a video coming this week on a, a pedal that I'm absolutely in love with. I'm not going to tell you about. Um, <laughs> don't try to guess because you'll never figure it out. And uh, I had no idea uh, when I was trying it, it would do the thing I did that, that I like. So I have that coming. And then my pedal board, uh, I'm coming, I have a pedal board video that it's coming out. Um, all I could say is I'm definitely a Vans fan. So I'm trying to build a Vans pedal board. <laughs> so there you go. All right. Uh, we got, we got more stuff to talk about. Let's keep going. Oh, you know what we're going to do now? We're going to, we're going to show you this. This is my pint glass. That means we're going to look at it. Like I always put my hand behind it. <laughs> like, Oh, look at the pint glass. Uh, we have a pint glass today. We are going to be trying the Iron Maiden Trooper premium British beer. I want to thank uh, a bunch of you. Uh, I bought these, but a bunch of you sent me some great beers. Rush has a beer. Thank you guys for sending that. Um, I also was sent a Texas toast beer, which is really cool. And, uh, I also bought, uh, uh, some wines uh, from from Maynard of uh, Tool. He has his own winery here in Arizona, and uh, and uh, we'll be drinking these adult beverage today. We're gonna try the Iron Maiden Trooper beer. It's so troopery. <laughs> this is uh, created by Iron Maiden Robinsons, uh, charged with flavor. Uh, I hope you guys, if you get up this beer, can find it in a better place than I did. The place I bought it was super expensive. I think it had like a $30 minimum and I think it charged me $20 in shipping. So it was like 50 bucks. And I think I bought seven or eight of these. <laughs> mm, look at that. Good color, right? Like I'm going to act like I know what I'm talking about. Look at the color on this. Although I love a lot of craft beers. I cannot say I'm versed in them in any way other than I just like what I like. What I can tell you about beer for me is it's about the smell. Like if I like the way a beer smells, I love the way it tastes. This smells amazing. You know what this reminds me of? And I don't know what kind of beer this is, but smelling it, it has that 
It has that Weiss beer. Like when you go to Germany, you get Weiss beer, uh, which is like, a, you know, rice beer. That's, I'm so American. It's so lame. I like the... <laughs> I like the Weiss beer. I just know to say V with a V so I could not sound so touristy-ish. I'd be like, yeah, I would like a Weiss beer, please. And uh, and they'd be like, oh, Hefeweizen? And I'm like, no, nah, Weiss beer. <laughs> Every time I'd order a Weiss beer in Germany, they'd go, Hefeweizen? i go, no, I want the Weiss beer. Um, Mm. And Danka. Uh, mm, nice. So. Oh, I love that. That's great. I love, this is my favorite types of beers. Uh, I like the darker beers, but not like in the, not in the, uh, like if you get the, uh, the a flight, like a flight, like a beer flight, like a taster. Um, I'm not into the blondes uh, beer so much, and I'm not into the Guinnesses so much. I like right in that sweet spot where the beers start having the amber look to them. It seems like I always tend to like them. I like a little bit of that aftertaste that comes with them. Ellen's Guitar Channel says, never been to Germany. I've been five times, and uh, it's um, ex one exception. Uh, I got really wasted in Hollywood with... A bunch of people and Joe Morgan and a bunch of people from boutique amps and stuff. And that was the most wasted I've ever been by far. I, and uh, other than the times I went to Germany, every time I went to Germany, I got super just lit <laughs> because their beers are huge and uh, they're like pro drinkers in Germany. I, I mean, they're they're legit, <laughs> right? You go there and you start drinking with them. If you're not paying attention, oh, you're there. Mm. This is great. So I highly recommend giving this a try if you like those like amber colored beers. That's great. That's why fun. Okay. I'm trying. I'm um a lot of you guys are saying Guinness for you. I, like I said, I like Guinness a lot, but I've always uh, I've said this before. I like a beer called 1554. Uh it's a Belgian uh beer or at least it's from a Belgian brewery. Uh 1554 and to me it's like Guinness, very Guinnessy. It's dark like that. It's got that chocolatey kind of thing going on it, but for some reason I just like it a little bit more. Some of you guys, if you love Guinness, you probably don't like it, but if you hate Guinness, I would try that because it's close enough to Guinness, but then it's not as intense. That's basically what I put it. Um, so there you go. All right. <laughs> like I said, can you drink right now? If you're old enough, you can drink. So, um, <laughs> all right. All right. Let's let's uh let's go to the next question. This que next question is uh it uh it says have you ever this is an early question it says have you ever ordered a guitar from a luthier? Now that's a great question. Uh and it's and the next follow up is did I like it? Great question. Here's why because think about this. Like almost all the guitars all the guitars you're looking at behind you were not made by luthiers. Um I mean, there's Fender Custom Shop behind me. I'm just looking at my screen. There's a Kiesel behind me. There's a Made in Japan Jackson. Um, there's probably one guitar behind me, believe it or not, that actually was probably made by a luthier, and it's this Floyd Rose guitar right here. Um, this guitar was sent to me uh, by Tim Pierce, and um, he's really good friends with Floyd Rose, and this is one of the first ones of the Floyd Rose Main USA guitars. And I believe these guitars are built by... Um, there's a luthier that works for... Um, Wildwood guitars now, um, and and uh, 
And I believe he makes them. And in fact, here's what I'm, I think I understand. I think he builds that guitar and the pickups I think, I think are actually done by Grover Jackson, like the Freeman pickups. Um, but either way, that guitar is probably built by a luthier. Other than that, the Kiesel, um, the, I mean, Valiant has two luthiers that are building the guitars and there's a Valiant behind there. So that's close. But I think the core of this question is if I ever had a luthier, you know, one person, Building guitar. Um, I have. Um, uh, I had uh, Tim at Atomic Guitars. He built me a custom guitar many years ago. Um, and it's definitely one of those guitars like, you know, you, you, I'm more refined of a collector now. In other words, what I mean by that is I kind of know who I am as a guitar player. I know what I like. I know what I, you know, I'm not searching anymore. I'm, I'm, when I buy a guitar, when I get rid of guitar now, I'm refining like my, you know, what my tastes are. Like, I like this, and if I could get something a little bit more like this, I like it more. But there was a time for many years where when I would buy or sell a guitar, it was about learning who I am and what I like. You know what I mean? And um, so I had a, um, uh, I had Tim at Atomic building a guitar. It was fantastic, and I let it go. And um, and it, it was the dumbest thing. I sold it because uh, I had a, a friend who still has it, by the way, who absolutely loved it, and... Uh, and they just prompted me at the right time. I was about to meet George Lynch uh, at a clinic. And so I'm like, oh, I need a Lynch guitar. So and so I sold it to buy this Lynch guitar. Totally regret that in every way. So that was one. Other than that, my luthier experience, experiences haven't been so great. I, um, I bought a guitar from a luthier that they never made it because they went out of business. I put a deposit on one once and they never made it because they went out of business. Um, on the channel, I've had... Oh my God. I've had six companies since I've been on YouTube reach out to me to build me a custom guitar that are luthiers. And out of the six, uh, no one's ever made me a guitar. <laughs> In fact, um, I'll still do it. Like luthiers will reach out from time to time and they'll say, Hey, I like your channel and I'd like to get my guitar on your channel. And, and sometimes again, so I want to make it very clear. It's not even that they're giving me the guitar. Sometimes they want to build the guitar and send it and kind of share the experience. And, um, uh, and, uh, I had actually the worst experience I had, and I'm not going to share the name and here, here's why, uh, it's not to protect them. I had a horrible experience with the company where they reached out and like all the other companies, I spend a couple hours on some kind of zoom call with them. We go through all the experience. Um, I film the entire process of, you know, what I ordered so that, you know, when it gets here, I can show you guys like, this is what the process was like. And that one I screwed up. That was, I, I would definitely say in the first 100 episodes of the, of the podcast, I mentioned the company on the podcast. Now there's a reason why I'm not mentioning them today and I'm going to please wait till I finish. Um, I mentioned them and then like five of you guys bought guitars from them and then about a year went by. They still never made me the guitar. I didn't hear from them, but I started hearing from, that's how I know there's five. Um, I, I started hearing from you guys going, Hey, I ordered a guitar from that company you mentioned and they never made my guitar. And so I actually had to call that company kind of, and also tell the people that was reaching out to me, could you please let them know you told me and I'm, and kind of like, hey, you know, what's going on? And they gave me a song and dance. But here's what I know. Everybody eventually got their guitars, except for me. And the reason I don't mention them, um, they were overseas. Uh, they're, in, they're in Europe. The reason I don't mention them is I've learned another secret problem that you have with, with YouTube and this environment. If I say sometimes the company, even if I tell a negative story about a company like that, what happens is a lot of you guys will search the company online. And then two, three weeks, a month from now, you'll get like 
ads are crap, you know, on Instagram, you'll, or they'll get suggested to you. And believe it or not, that's saying there's no bad press. That's absolutely, I've seen it happen so many damn times where, you know, a month from now, you can't remember. You're like, that's an interesting guitar. Oh, I think Phil McKnight was saying something about them. And you can't remember. You know what I mean? I make so much content after a while. You're like, I think he liked it. And then next thing you know, you're ordering one again. So I just learned like, you know what I mean? You don't give them any press. Um, so, so no real luck. And, and then on custom guitars, which are not luthier guitars, um, I've had a couple companies that are not luthier guitars, like Framus, say, hey, let's build a custom guitar. And they never made the custom guitars. In fact, the only companies ever really came through uh, that deserves the credit is actually behind me today. It's my Halo guitar. These are the what probably the only company that ever had me design a guitar. Now, now keep in mind, like I have a Kiesel behind me and Kiesel made that guitar. Whoops right there for me. But I don't look at Kiesel as custom. I look at Kiesel as semi-custom. There's a term in home, semi-custom home. It's plug and play. In other words, you can't design the house, but you can put, you know, what kind of tile and what kind of sink. That's what I think of Kiesel. They're semi-custom builds. You got to build their guitar. You know what I mean? Like it's the Delos, but you can do different things. So semi-custom, same with GNL, semi-custom guitars. But Halo is the only company I've ever said, like, let's make a stress style body, but like a thick, like a Telecaster and a semi-hollow with, uh, what did I do? Like, uh, you have to watch the video. It's like, um, uh, scallop neck only from the 12th fret up. And right, like I stainless steel frets and, just all kinds of crazy stuff. They they were great. Um, but uh, as some, I saw a couple people um, saying, hold on, I saw a mention of Texas Toast. Um, I don't, I haven't been updated recently what's going on with Texas Toast, but I mean, last I heard, we're still good to go. But, but I'm not really, like I said, I like those guys a lot. I don't have any issues there. Vim69 said, what about Texas Toast? They made you a guitar with your name on the fretboard. I believe they made a video, they did, uh, explaining why that guitar, there was a problem with that guitar. And uh, problem, not not like a problem, but um, they, it was me, I gave them some advice. I tend to do that, whether people like it or not. <laughs> and I gave Texas Toast some advice. When they were making that guitar, um, Matt had reached out to me. And um, that actually started with Matt's like, hey, we would like to send you, I think one of their... Uh, daily drivers, but it was like a Strat. I think they call it a Sunday driver. And uh, he's like, I'd like to send that out to you. And, you know, if you're willing to do a video. And so I told him, I said, look, uh, you know, you make this Challenger guitar that's really awesome, you know. Um, and uh, and you talked about, like, that's your guys's dream is to build this, your own guitar. I said, you should make that and send that out. Because why send out a guitar that you don't want to make and if I get a video, and, if, and again, you never know with videos, will it get 5,000 views, we'll get 50,000, we'll get 500,000 views. No one has control of that. Um, what if it goes semi-viral? You know, now you're promoting this thing you don't want. So they said, okay. And they started making that guitar. If you guys haven't seen it, it's got my name in giant letters across the, the top. There's a funny story to that, but I only would tell it when when I do the final review. And uh, and uh, in that, that guitar, they spec'd it to something I think they thought I would like. And again, I was talking to him and I just mentioned casually like, yeah, it's really cool. I go, but you know, how, you should make me the one that you're going to make everybody. So, you know, I have a, I have a big thing about that. Um, I say that to companies all the time. I just had a Zoom call with a company this week and the same thing. They were like, how do you like your guitar set up? How do you like, and I'm like, just send it to me how you send it to everyone. <laughs> That's what I tell every company. Just send me what everyone gets. Um, 
because because there's you know I don't want cherry pick guitars. I don't want you know different. I don't. It's a review channel. <laughs> you know what I mean? If I was an artist, I understand the this is how I have my guitars done. But as a review channel, where I'm trying to give you guys feedback, which is why I keep trying to add. Uh, things in the videos that don't really involve my opinion, which is why the sock test came from that a lot of you hate or a lot of you love and a few of you hate. It's not that I think that's the greatest idea ever. It's something that I can't, it's not an opinion. If I take a nylon sock and rub it on frets and it, however it looks is how it looks, I have no control of that. Showing the frets and how high and level they are, showing the setup, showing those things are not my opinion. That's just, I want to give as many factual information about the instrument so you can make the best educated decision because these videos are timeless. They last years. People still watching reviews I did, you know, four years ago and making a purchase. There was a video today. Somebody's comment was, I just watched your video today and ordered the guitar. The video is from three years ago. <laughs> Christian says, send me the hot garbage. Sometimes they do. Sometimes companies do. Um, <laughs> um, so, you know, another thing... Uh, the <laughs> Another comment that came that was earlier today was uh, the question was, and I'm trying to find the, the person. And if I, I didn't think, I thought I copied it. I sometimes I copy them and paste them, um, was asking me about tops. They were basically saying they bought a Paul Reed Smith guitar and they liked the guitar, but it didn't have a very beautiful top. And then now they bought a, um, one of the more affordable Gibsons and um, it had a great top. And they said, have you ever seen that? Have you ever experienced that? The question is, have I ever experienced when I bought a thousand dollar guitar and had a great top? And then I buy an expensive guitar and it has a horrible top. And the answer is yes. That's the short answer. So yes, like you have experienced the same thing. But the second problem is I'm not into gorgeous tops. So um, again, i dealing with a company right now that wants to do a custom, not a custom build like from scratch, but a custom layout of a guitar. And this, this is a true story. I built one up, mocked it up based on what I think you guys would be interested in and what I'm interested in. And they came back and they go, this, they don't want to do that guitar. And they were very polite. They were like, we want to do one of our beautiful exotic guitars. Like we want you to show your audience what we're capable of. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not really into that. <laughs> I'm not really into this thing. So we, we're going to do a compromise. I think we're going to do one of each. You know what I mean? Um, if you notice, I'm doing that more and more where I have two guitars uh, from companies. There's a video coming out next week, and you're going to see exactly that. I'm showing two guitars. In fact, there's three videos coming in the next 30 days where it's I have two of the company's guitars for that reason. I'm like, this is the high end, this is the lower end, and this is why I'm talking about them. So... Um, oh, uh, Mike McFly said, Hey, was the Somnium, uh, I'm trying to just paraphrase. He says, was the Somnium a custom guitar? It was not. The Somnium was a, uh, production guitar. The only thing was uh, custom was I asked to have the black stripe painted to hide the, the module system. That's it. Which they in turn just made it as, uh, you know, that's an option now. I like this beer. So, you know. Got to sell, sell the liquor. Like, uh, hey, you know what's great about doing kind of a, a podcast with a, a a beer? I kind of feel like a back to my days of playing in a band in a bar. Don't forget, the Iron Maiden beer is on sale tonight. The next song we're going to do is The Trooper by Iron Maiden. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, we got to get, we got to, we got to, um. Yeah, somebody says one to smash and one to sell for cash. I wish that, no, they always go, well, they, not always, but mo most of the guitars are going back. 
Um, I've been most of the deals I've been working on with companies that the guitars go back. It just seems more. Uh, uh, I want. I used. To, I used to like having the guitars around so I could keep talking about them on the podcast or keep talking about them afterwards. And then when I do the year in review, but it's just getting too crazy, guys. There's just too too many guitars. You know, um, I'm trying to increase the amount of guitar videos I do, and as you do that, you know what I mean. The guitars just start stacking up in your front room. It gets it gets obnoxious. The amount of cases in this house right now is, it's stupid. <laughs> And my family is just being too gracious and dealing with it. Okay, so we have, uh, what do we have? We have Antique Rocker says, hey, what is your opinion on the virtual Jeff Pro FOMO FX store? So that's what he's saying. It's coming from a thing. Let's go ahead. And I've already queued it up. Look at that. I was prepped. I saw his question because uh, he super chatted it. This is it. This is the virtual Jeff. Um, well, my first reaction, of course, because I haven't tried one, is $499. When I hear tremolo, $499. I'm really not sure what I'm looking at here. It obviously mounts onto a guitar. There's a pedal. Um, create your own whammy style and mellow to metal master legacy whammy tricks. This is exactly like everything now for me where unless I've touched it or I have some experience of it, to me, it just looks like uh, you'd really want have to want it, and I don't know why you'd want it without trying it to see what it is. It's expensive, so it's not something I'm going to impulse buy. <laughs> I'm not going to impulse buy a, a $500 whammy pedal that connects, and that's kind of what it looks like. And I again, I'm only going off the picture that you know I pulled up from their website. Kind of reminds me of the whammy pedal, but you know here instead of on your foot. And uh, you know I got a whammy pedal I paid $100 for. I guess I could just use that, but it looks cool. Keep in mind, my only uh, negative statement is it's $500, and that's a lot of money for some, to try a product. So I don't know. Like I said, maybe. I don't know. It's one of those things, though. But if you want to see it on the channel, just guys mention it and send me emails. Tell me, you know, like I said, tell me what you guys want. The patrons suggest what they want. They get priority. But, of course, I try to listen to all the comments and try to give you guys extra products. As you guys know, if companies don't send products, uh, I'll buy them and put them on the channel because if you guys want if you want the content, I, I'm I, more times than not, you guys are always right. I'm like, I don't know <laughs> that Z Glide guitar from Dean Zlitsky. No way in hell I would have ever bought that guitar and tried it. Um, nothing wrong with it, but like a lot of the comments of people who haven't tried it, who said all the comments, uh, all the comments people said about the people who haven't tried it said what I thought too, which is like, ah, I don't know. Is there anything interesting? You know, it's, it's not solving a problem I have. Um, now playing it, it's very cool. And I can see why totally why somebody would want it for sure. And uh, try to give you as much insight on that. So again, anytime you want products like that, let me know. Adrian says, hey, Phil, hope you are well. Thoughts on the PV bases? Just got two PV grind bases. Uh, best bases I've ever played. The grinds are really cool because they were like more of the affordable uh, neck through style guitars. I think they had some bolt-ons as well, but I like the neck throughs. I love PV bases. Like I said before, um, the thing that, that bums me out the most always about PV wasn't that PV abandoned you know, the amp market, so to speak. And they didn't, you know, they banned the guitar market and they got, you know, they kind of backed off and backed off. But to me, not only was PV known for like affordable PAs and of course, great amps, especially in the rock, metal and blues genre. To me, bass players, especially bass players know this, PV was boutique basses that were in the league of all the high-end, like, you know, Warwicks and uh, Fedoras, you know. I mean, I mean I'm trying, don't get on to trigger anybody. I'm not saying they were the same as that stuff, but they were in that league. Like you could get... A PV bass, especially a Cirrus, like a main USA Cirrus, 
you know, I'm, again, I have to go back 15 years on this, but 15 years ago in, in a market that was definitely dominant at that time with three to $4,000 bases, high-end boutique bases, those brands I mentioned, Warwick, uh, Fedora, um, you know, uh, Ritter, all those guys, crazy money, right, for that stuff. Um, uh, 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 I'm trying to think what else. Uh, Tobias, all that stuff. You could get a made-in-the-USA Cirrus base. The only complaint bass players had was, you know, PV would only use PV pickups, that was the thing. So if you didn't like their pickups and electronics, that was kind of a bummer. Um, but the quality of the bases were off the charts, and you could pick them up for $1,500 back then, which was a steal back then, right? So always uh, – and the grind was, again, more of their import affordable series of that version of the Cirrus and stuff. Very cool bases, very sure, uh, very good. So DWC says, hey, Phil, bummed that the nut was way too high on my 20 Gibson Les Paul Standard every – Every note was sharp on the first fret. Yeah, that's pretty high. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. But glad that I learned how to fix it through your channel. That's awesome, man. I'm glad you did too. You know, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a bummer, you know. Um, more and more, I think we're experiencing this. Uh, and again, some of it's COVID. Some of it's the new world. Some of it's the high demand. But more and more what I'm experiencing consistently as a reviewer, as someone who puts their hands on hundreds of guitars a year, the higher-end guitars are actually kind of not not so great. You know, and when I say higher-end, I mean expensive. That's all I'm saying. Like, I mean, it's it's amazing to me how many guitars I pick up that are in this inflation market, five, six hundred dollars, they're just fantastic. Fantastic. And I go through them and I have one, maybe two critiques top, but then I'm and then when I'm looking at a two thousand dollar guitar, there's just flaws everywhere. It's it's a little it's a little depressing. It is. Um Will it change? I don't know. I feel like part of the biggest culprit right now isn't just the um, high demand. It's not uh, the, the COVID issues, which are, you know, uh, safety issues and work uh, conditions and all that stuff they have to deal with, you know, policies, procedures. I feel like this is a standard thing that happens in boom markets where companies are doing well. Like I said, everybody's a genius in a bull market. And you know, and it's like when when you're looking at every customer's like, where's my stuff? And you're like, you got to, you know, you're waiting and waiting, waiting for stuff. When they get defective product, I feel like the attitude is very easy. goes right to, hey, this product's defective. And they're like, yeah, well, too bad. Just return it. We're just going to, there's 10 customers who want it. If you don't want it, kind of like when the housing market gets out of control and they're like, hey, this wall's falling down. They're like, yeah, well, we got 10 cash offers. So pound sand. I feel that way. I feel that way in the guitar market right now, where when you get stuff that's not very good, it's kind of like, well, if you don't like it too bad, there's tons of customers looking for it. And um, I'm not saying they're wrong. They're not. But, you know, it just is why sometimes you need to be more, uh, you, you got to be more careful when you're spending your money right now. Be smart with it. You know what I mean? Especially as right now, as we're, tra we're transitioning right now. I continually hear right now constantly from the retailer side how, oh, man, this is going to be years of back orders and you better buy now. And yet <laughs> when I'm out there looking at stuff, I find deals no problem and tons of gear. And again, I can't find everything I want for the price I want. Those that, is, But compared to a year ago, that's a smorgasbord. A year ago would have killed to have the market we have right now. Um, a year ago when I was looking to buy gear for the channel, like I told you guys, I was paying retail everywhere i couldn't find deals and if i could get it in stock and now i can get deals i can reach out to companies and, and retailers and 
they've been sitting on the stuff and they have it in stock. Let's not even talk about the deals. They just have it in stock, you know, right? Um, you know, uh, you know, amps that you're like, you know, that before you couldn't even find. Now there's 20 of them in stock. So, like I said, this is the, this is the, to me, this is the dangerous time because you got to watch what you're doing. You know, you don't want to buy high right as the market's changing on you, if it's changing on you, because we're kind of figuring that out right now. So, okay, let's go back to uh, questions. Sorry. Um, Vim69 says, hey there, I have a question. All right. He says, I have a Hot Rod Deluxe and I'm considering getting rid of it for a Supersonic 22. What are your thoughts on the subject? I love both those amps and I prefer the Hot Rod Deluxe a little bit more. And it's mostly because it's more versatile. Sound-wise on the clean channels, uh, I like the I like the Hot Rod Deluxe a little better on the clean because a lot of it is the cabinet. It's just a little bit boomier. I like that. I like the I like it when notes thump a little bit, <laughs> right? Some players are not into that. I'm into that. Uh, I like what even when I'm trying to keep calm and just kind of strum lightly. I like a little bit of projection, and I think the Hot Rod Deluxe just kind of does that. The Supersonic, though, of course, I think the distortion on that is more to my taste. The Hot Rod Deluxe has definitely got the lighter blues classic rock vibe where I think the supersonic is definitely more of a mid high gain amp and you can, you can back it off for sure. Um, reverbs about the same, maybe if I was going to give the winner, maybe the hot rod deluxe, but I, I don't know. I didn't really, I don't remember what size tanks the bit. Usually for me, the bigger the tank, the better the reverb. So the supersonic might have like a, I don't know, you know what I mean? A shorter tank than this, uh, than the hot rod deluxe, but overall, um, I've owned both those amps, love both those amps. And I would keep I would I would get the supersonic and keep the supersonic, especially the 22, whether it's combo and head. I no longer have a supersonic 22, and it was one of my favorite amps. You guys watch the channel for years. I would boast it, use it, love it. And the main reason I got rid of it is because um, my LPD 68 pedal kind of has that vibe. And when, and this isn't new. This is years ago when I got the 68 pedal. I just started running it into my 65 Deluxe Reverb, which is about the same, same size cabinet, same vibe. You know what I mean? Um, I like the, the 65 Deluxe Reverb clean just a little better than the Supersonic, but of course it doesn't really have an overdrive. And with that pedal and that, and um, really I think it was a friend of mine who made a sarcastic comment that was great. I said, yeah, the Supersonic's more versatile than the 65 Deluxe. And he goes, yeah, who cares? And I go, well, it's nice sometimes when I want to grab an amp and I want just a little bit of dirt and a little bit of clean and it's great. And he's like, eh, just grab a pedal. <laughs> so I have a 68 and it just sits on top of the amp. I don't have it on a pedal board or anything. And I plug into that. Um, and I'm like, yeah, you know, he's right. Cause I'd have to bring a foot switch anyways for this supersonic. So, but of those two amps, I'd pick the supersonic and I, I can't say I regret getting rid of my supersonic. I don't know if I regret it. Cause I've, 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 you know, that was during a thing where I was, you know, changing out to some other amps, but I love that amp. Like I said, uh, I love it. Um, Jeff Parker says, Hey, f the, the fill effect for beer. I know from the chat viewers near me. I went to the store 30 minutes ago today and I got Iron Maiden beer. What? Oh, to get Iron Maiden beer. Uh, he goes, but uh, there was nothing. <laughs> it was sold out. Oh, that's why I ordered mine online. He says, uh, got Motorhead bourbon instead. Nice. I'll have to try that. And, and a drink to you, my friend. You can do your bourbon. I will sip my Iron Maiden beer. Very nice of you. Let's go to the main comments. Um, okay, hold on a second. 
Super Reverb. Sean Brooks saying the Super Reverb. That's in a great amp too. Heavy as hell. Unless you get that Tone Master version, which is why I was most interested. Out of all the Tone Master amps, I told you, out of the Tone Master amps, the Super Reverb is the one I'm most excited about because the Super Reverb is such a beautiful amplifier. And <laughs> if you're going to make a comment, please try to keep your comments to this parameter. If you've picked up a Super Reverb in the last 30 days... I don't care if it was three years ago. It's too long. You, you can you can shed a memory that fast, right? But if you have picked one up in the thirty day, in the last 30 days, you know what I'm talking about. That amp, seriously, is not heavy. It's awkward. I'm six foot, and for some reason, the way it works out, when I put my hand on the Super Reverb ha handle, it's like literally you got to use your arm to pull it up, which is, you know, it's a heavy amp because so you, you can't use your body because there's just not enough height. So you're just like, oh, God, this thing. It needs wheels. Super reverbs are heavy, so that's why the Tone Master one is really cool. The other Tone Master amp I wish they'd make, and that was definitely the one I will buy. Uh, if they if they come out with it, I will buy it just to review it on the channel, which is a Bassman 59. I love the 59 Bassman Fender amp. Um, but again, it's kind of like the Super Reverb. It's not as heavy by any means, so it's a little lighter, but it's big amp, not light very loud right so so to me if they're going to make a, a version of that that's what's like i said i love the the tone master 65 deluxe reverb i had but after so much time i was like what are you saving eight pounds and the real one sounds a little better i i just couldn't figure it out you know what i mean um <laughs> you know I, you know, it's funny is I, every time I'd go, well, the Tone Master is really cool and you, it is a little lighter. And here's my friend going, why don't you just go to the gym and shut up? <laughs> Six pounds. <laughs> I'm like, I think it's actually like eight, 10 pounds heavier, but you get the idea. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, Dirt Racer X says carrying the 5150 especially the PV1. So th think of this. The 5150 is a real, he says, a real test of manhood. It's a real test for sure. You know what's really crazy? When I think of crazy heavy heavy amps, I like I always used to think of the Fender Twin as a heavy amp. Oh man, no, it's the PV6505 or 5150-212 combo. That thing was just ridiculous, <laughs> right? Um, uh, Daytalk says, why are USA PV guitars so inexpensive? Um, well, think about this. You think they're inexpensive right now. If you're saying this comment right now, you think they're inexpensive. They used to be like a steal. You used to get them for a nickel. Um, now they've come up in price, but comparatively speaking, they're very inexpensive. Um, it's a little bit of how PB's ruined their reputation. You know what I mean? Obviously the, the, the TV show that they were on really hurt them. Obviously, uh, some of their decisions and it hurt them. Um, their, uh, their new products just don't have the reputation the old ones used to. Uh, and again, some of their new products are great. Like I said, there's a ton of PB products. I think that they still make that are great, but it's not what, a lot of people remember it to be. And that's a hard thing to overcome. You know what I mean? When you're known for like, you know, uh, dependable and good and cheap, right? Affordable. And then slowly that, that you drift away from that. That's a hard thing to, to overcome. Um, but yeah, if you think they're affordable, then good for you and you should buy them because they are good. <laughs> Christian says, because they suck. Well, you know what I mean? That's just an opinion. But but again, when and you're not wrong, Christian. Again, you can say something sucks and I, and we can still be friends. But it's not about whether or not they suck or don't suck. There is quality there for the for the dollar. You do have to buy a lot to get something better for what you can pick them up when you can find them on deals. Sean says, it seems like anything that's associated with 80s is considered cheap. Sure, I can see that for sure. Well, there's a lot of stuff that's just 
I mean, it doesn't have value anymore. Look at Crate. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can, I mean, you know, Crate was like, I remember going to stores and like even Crate was uh, the affordable product of the day. And even then I was too broke for it. And now you walk in a you know, store and you see a Crate. I find every time I see a Crate in a store, I, I like to play this game with a lot of products. I'm sure you guys do that too. You see an old product from when you're a kid and you go, I wonder how much that is. And in your head going, it's probably like 200 bucks. And, and then Crate is one of those products, no matter what I do, right? Like I forget that. What's the game show where you have to, is that the price is right? You got to guess the price. Crate, I could never guess that stuff. Every time I go, it's probably 150 bucks. $60? Like it's always worth nothing. Nothing. I, it's always crazy. And it's worse. Crate is worse if it's in a store. If it's on reverb, there's usually some kind of value attached to it because the person selling it likes it or, you know, has some emotional attachment to it, selling it, you know, they liked it. Or they've done some research on what they've gone for broadly. But when you go into music stores or pawn shops, every time I see a crate, it is just beyond silly how cheap it is. Um, crazy. Like I said, I never get it right ever. I'll be like, 80 bucks. Nope. $16. Of course. Why not? 16 bucks. So that's, I wish that was a joke. That was an Asheville crate amp. I saw it. It was 16 bucks. Um, Chris says, I used to, I used to own the crate blue voodoo 100 watt. It's a very great amp. I mean, Mar um, uh, uh, who used it? Uh, Sammy Hagar used it. He had a red one though. Uh, and, uh, uh, Marty Freeman used them. They were great amps. Sometimes that great's a little strong, but they were good amp. <laughs> Matthew says he got a, a six channel crate mixer for $4. Yeah. Well, crate, you know, PAs and crate stuff like that, which wasn't a whole lot of stuff. Then they moved into audio Centron with that branding, but, um, crate was like the Behringer, the first Behringer for sure. My first PA was a audio Centron crate hybrid because uh, it was when they were changing brands. So I got the crate power amp as I think it was the SPA spa 200 I got that, and then I got Audio Centron Mixer and two Audio Centron uh, speakers. And at that time, that was Behringer. Like, no, nothing was as cheap as that when you went to the music store. Everything was way more expensive. So, there you go. Ah, uh, Jeff says, Fender Frontman 212s can't give them away. There's a lot of stuff. It's just, it's just, yeah, no one wants it. Isn't that funny? I want my $2. <laughs> It's <laughs> a good sign on. Finally bought my first tube amp DSL 20 head with a 112 cabinet. What should be my first pedal? Hmm. Well, I mean, here's the thing. DSL 20, what's great about that is because it's got a little bit more gain. You know, some some of you, some players are going to say a tube screamer because that's a great pedal to put into a Marshall. Me personally, I think the DSL can, with the boost and all that stuff and the gain, that's kind of, you know, you don't need the tube screamer. I wouldn't do it. Um, what, what pedal would I get for a DSL 20? It depends. The problem is it's a hard question because I don't know if you want more gain, less gain, or a different kind of effect. It's got reverb built into it. Maybe get a delay pedal. You know, that amp really sings. I would see about getting a nice delay pedal and put it in the effects loop. Man, that amp is just amazing with a little delay because so many people use the DSLs, the JCM 2000s, which is essentially what their that that product is, JCM 2000. I mean, you got to understand, Jeff Beck uses JCM 2000. Nuno Bentoncourt uses JCM 2000. Um, and the re main reason is when I say used, it's got to understand the JCM 2000 forever was like the go-to backline for all artists. So anybody who who used um uh, uh Paul Gilbert is it was one of his backline amps all the time. Um 
if, if they had that, you know, you can, you, you know, that's what they would use. That amp to me, um, I don't, the reverb's cool, but I turn the reverb off, put a delay pedal in the effects loop and it's done. I'm done. That's the sound I need. That's it. It's easy to kick them when they're down. <laughs> they're gone. They're gone now. I believe they're still owned. You know what? I don't, I don't know. I don't know who owns Crate. You know, Crate was owned by St. Louis Music Company, which acquired Ampeg and uh, and Alvarez, right? And then St. Louis Music Company got sold off. The, the St. Louis was an accessory division. And then at some point, St. Louis Music bought Alvarez from Loud. Loud is who? So Loud, let's see how, here is how it goes. Loud buys Mackie. Then Loud by St. Louis Music. St. Louis Music was a distribution company for accessories, plus owned Alvarez, Ampeg, uh, and Crate, and Audio Cintron, which is, you know, that PA thing. And then essentially they sell off the, you know, Loud buys them, but sells off later, this is many years later, uh, the uh, St. Louis Music part of it. And then St. Louis Music comes back later and buys the Alvarez part of it. So now you have Loud, who has Mackie, Ampeg, and Crate, that's the main things, right? Audio Cintron's kind of gone. I don't know where that goes. And then Yamaha buys Ampeg. That's who owns Ampeg now. Is, is, is Yamaha owns Line 6 and Ampeg. I don't know who owns Crate now. I don't know if Yamaha acquired it with the Ampeg deal or if Loud still owns Crate. But either way, it's shelf brand. It doesn't exist. But if anyone knows, let me know. Let's get on to Fernando's question. It says, hey, Phil, do you think tube amps will be obsolete or two production will be obsolete soon. Um, well, two production, great, great question, by the way, in the idea that you followed up with the, the real problem. It's not whether or not tube amps go away. Tube amps will never go away, okay? So going away is not the correct way, in my opinion, to talk about that technology and those products. It's will tube amps be obtainable to the average guitar player? That's really what it is. You know, can you justify this? Because like I said, tubes are a problem and getting tubes is a problem and they're expensive. And, and so what ends up happening, like a lot of stuff like this is, is it's one of those things where the technology, even though it's anti, you know, antiquated and idea, it's old technology, it just becomes impossible for the average person to get a realistic amp. And we're seeing that look out. I mean, yeah, you can find a black star amps and a couple of amps that are, that are affordable. Right. And there's still a couple of tube amps here and there from Bajera. And of course I think like Harley Benton's making one and stuff like that. But but that stuff, I think that's the stuff that'll eventually fade out over time. You'll stop seeing affordable tube amps because again, the tubes will just get too crazy, right? At some point, the companies will crunch numbers because that's what they like to do. And they'll say, I can make an amp for $106 and sell it to the customer in, in user for $350. And adding one tube is $20 my cost. And you know what I mean? Which means I got to, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Um, and then expensive amps, the same problem. You know what I mean? It just becomes a problem. So I think, yes, tubes are going to be a problem because when I talk to tube manufacturers, no, I'm sorry, tube amp builders, the actual builders, the guys who own the companies that make the amps, they tell me it's a problem every time I talk to them. Pre-COVID, post-COVID, COVID is really just a catalyst of, you know, making the problem worse. Um, so that's going to be a problem. The second thing is this, is it obsolete? Um, it's, well, here's the problem. I think guitar players, and there's, again, I love having a great cross-section of you guys here on the show. Um, 1100 watching right now. And again, I, you, you guys know, you can put it in the comments. I'll tell you one of my problems. I love tube amps. I have a lot of really cool ones that I've collected up over the years. Um, and, um, <laughs> and I dare say, and I, I have a couple, not many, but I have a couple that are like holy grail amps. Like people are like, you know, they 
you spend your whole life as a guitar player hoping to to play one of these amps, much less own one, whether that be like a hand-wired Marshall, I have a hand-wired Marshall, or a Bogner, right, or the Sildano or something like that. But here's the thing. I play my Kemper. I have a video called I, uh, What I Really Use, and it's my Kemper. I've been using a Kemper now for a little over two years, and I switched. Uh, in fact, a couple podcasts ago, you guys heard me say I had two Kempers. I no longer have two Kempers because uh, what I said in that video was true, which is I had the Kemper non-powered unit. I had it for a year, a little over a year. I really liked it. I, I bought the powered unit to make sure it was the same and everything was fine, and then I sold off my unpowered unit. So I have a powered Kemper. I run my powered Kemper right into 12. That's what I play personally all day. And I literally, this is how silly this is. And I feel dumb both ways, by the way. I feel dumb playing the Kemper that's essentially profiled all the amps I own. So I'm playing the amps I own through this modeled Kemper version of them, which I go is kind of stupid. But then I feel stupid owning the amp still since I'm playing the Kemper all the time. And the main reason is, is like a lot of you players that have katanas and have sparks and have software in your computers and have Axe Effects and have Line 6 and have all this modeling technology. Some of you guys say it sounds like the same thing. Some of them, you guys say it sounds better. Um, the, <laughs> the, um, the, hold on. The, I'm trying to think how I want to put this perfectly. The convenience of that technology, it's outweighs, it's, to me, it's like I, I have 3,000 songs downloaded on my phone right now. Do I think MP3s on my phone sound as good as records and CDs? I don't but I don't have 3000 records and CDs that I can put in a, you know what I mean? A six inch by two inch brick. Um, convenience is a factor. So I like having the convenience of it for sure. This is a great question. Somebody asked, I just want to say, this is kind of funny just to give you a, a concept. Somebody said, somebody's question was, which is always fun. Phil, who has more gear? You are the Tone King. He means the Tone King channel. The Tone King is on a different level than me on every way when it comes to gear. The Tone King is a bona fide collector. He is a person who absolutely loves guitars and amps like I do, like you guys do, but he is a person who is, you know, he collects them. I collect some stuff. Like I told you guys, I collect things, but I, when I say collect things, I don't collect like I don't want like every, you know, Beast Rich model they ever made and every Charvel model. Like there are collectors that collect things like that. Um, and uh, so, no, it's, he's on a different level, man. There, it's, uh, like I said, I've been to his house. It's different. It's a different level. Um, uh, yeah. He's the king for a reason. I mean, I, I, I really mean that. And I've, uh, so, you know, I've hung out with so many YouTube channels. He's, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the funny thing I can tell you. And again, I say this with kindness and love because he, because he's a great guy. Uh, there's two things about the Tone King I can say. Um, he's one of the only YouTube, YouTube channels I've ever visited. And I visit about 10 now where what you see is really what you see. Most YouTube channels, like my room and a lot of rooms I've been in with YouTube channels, it looks and it presents real big and it looks exciting. Like this looks like a ton of crap. You understand? Like this is it. This, if you look at my arm span here. Oh, you can't see it. But I mean, it's not a big, it's not a big room. I'm not in a big room right now. Um, he's actually in a big room, <laughs> right? It's full of stuff. It's huge. Um, where a lot of channels are like mine, they just find a small spot in their house to say you're making content and then it just perceives really well. So that's one of the things. Um, and a lot of, uh, like I said, a lot of stuff, you know, over the years that he's reviewed and stuff, he, he just likes keeping it. It's very cool. 
<laughs> My niece here says, I don't collect anything. Maybe pain. There's nothing wrong with not collecting stuff either. So. Witchell says, I collect bills. Yeah, that sucks. I don't look at the bills, so thank God I don't have to deal with that. My wife does all that. Yeah, Alex says you should have him on, because I had him on the channel before, I, and I went on his channel where we went to a Guitar Center in Sam Ash. Well, now, you know, as the world opens up, that stuff will come back. I literally haven't done anything in two years, if you notice, like when it comes to going out and doing stuff. It's because it's everything's a pain in the ass. So let's let's go back to... Let's get stay back on guitar stuff. We have uh, pedal says pedal ly says for the pedal jar. So he's uh, super chatting me for pedals. I wanted to mention that because now I feel like I got to buy a pedal. So again, I'm excited about this pedal board. I'm going to show you guys. So soon, that's soon. I'm I might do a live show, not a pedal board build on a live show, but just do a live show talking about it. Uh, you know, and I might even do that weird thing that some channels do where. I might announce it, tell you guys the live show's happening. Maybe, you know, just talk about it. You guys can ask all the questions. And at the end, I probably will d delete the video. It'll just be for everybody who wants to actually physically see it that day. Grumpy Mike Guitar says, um, he's bought a matching. Oh, he bought the, I saw that. And by the way, I saw you posted on Instagram. You posted a picture of, he, he bought the MT-12, which is the Tremonti amp. And he bought the matching 112 cab, um, which I saw. It, and then he had his PRS S2, I think custom 24 in that picture, if I recall. I think it was on Instagram. I saw it. He says, I'm literally as giddy as a schoolgirl can't stop smiling. That's a great setup. In fact, you know, I feel bad. I was going to mention, I was going to say something. I, like I said, I don't know if it was on your Facebook, Instagram. I saw it. I saw it. I read the comments. Sometimes, I don't know if you guys do this. I do that. I'll read the comments and stuff. And then I go to type something and I just don't because I've kind of like, I feel like I spent like a couple minutes there and it's time to move on to the next thing I'm going to look at. Um, but no, I was really cool about that. In fact, that was the reason I stopped to look at your uh, stuff, uh, Grumpy Mike Guitar, was I have the new PRS S2 Custom 24, <laughs> I have the new PRS S2 2408 guitar. That video, hopefully, I don't have the chart. I think it's Monday. I hope that's what a day it is. It's coming soon. And um, that's a weird review because it's. I'm really impressed with the guitar, but I really want to talk about the SE 2408 S2 and the core. And you were talking about how much you love the S2, and I love the S2 too. But again, I wait for the video. You'll see my thoughts on that. Uh, Luke says, thoughts on... The reemergence of Jet City amps. I didn't know. Um, they are back, and now, and and now do sell Dono Marshall Freeman style twenty watt heads assembled in the U.S. for five ninety nine. Deal. Hmm. Interesting about the assembled in the U.S. for five ninety nine. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm shocked they're back. You know, I I really liked the Jet City stuff, and the guy who owns it. I don't know him. I I've talked to him briefly in the past, and he's actually friends of a friend of mine. And in, and when Jet City was kind of starting to do bad, uh, I guess he talked to my friend who then came to me for some some input on some stuff. And um, what I'll tell you is this: um, I'm excited that they're back. I'm five ninety nine sounds great. That's definitely put that in the comments if you'd like to see me get one of those and do a video. I'll buy one of those. Um, but um, that's really cool. Like I said, I I think they're I like I love that. That sounds great. So. Definitely put in the comments uh, if you'd like to see that amp on the channel. I'll, I'll definitely get one. We'll sh we'll check it out. 
It's great that he's back. Uh, Ray says, do I have any Gretsch guitars? Uh, yeah, I own two Gretsch guitars, uh, two kinda. And so I have, I have a video collection video. I have a video collection. I have a collection video. And although I hate collection videos for a lot of reasons, the main thing I hate about mine is exactly that all my guitars are in it. And I, I kind of regret, but once the video is out, it's out. I kind of regret in the video. I said, Oh, and I have some other guitars. Like really that wasn't true. That was like, I just picked randomly guitars in the collection and showed you guys. I really didn't, you know, I, it alludes that I showed you something, you know, the majority, but I didn't. Um, and some of that changes from time to time, but in there's my Gretsch, um, which is, a I don't even know what it's called anymore. 50, 118 5118 I think is what it is TLTV so again because you know Gretsch is like Ivan is they got all these damn numbers so it's like 51 LTV which I think means 18 inch no it can't be an 18 inch watch body it's 51 LTV LTV would be lacquer and then TV Jones pickups um, that's my main Gretsch that I have and then I have a Gretsch uh, another Gretsch that I bought off a friend, but it's in limbo. In other words, it's not here. It's not, it's one of those things. Like I said, some guitars are just visiting. <laughs> so, um, the pick says, what was my favorite pedal last year? Um, probably the, the pedal pal 800. That was probably my favorite pedal last year. I can't remember last year if I did the, um, the um the cab you know the um two notes cap not captor the two notes cab m uh if i did it last year that would also be one of my favorite ones because that's one of my favorite pedals let me put it this way i only have like five favorite pedals you know what i mean not five but five top pedals that i love and so it's not a lot of pedals that's why i said i need to do more pedal videos and get exposed to pedal exposed to pedals i really don't try a whole lot of pedals i probably try like five pedals a year Think about this. I'm a gear channel and I'm trying way less pedals than you guys on, on average are. Cause like I said, companies don't send out pedals and, and, uh, I don't think to go after or go, you know, go after companies and ask them if they're interested in sending pedals. I forget about it all the time. It's just not my priority. Um, but I want it to be the juggernaut TV says, Hey Phil, if your guitar, wait, if your guitar setup is close, how do you know if it needs to turn the truss rod if they okay so basically i i think the core of this question is if your setup is good and you think you're close there how do you determine if you need to turn the truss rod or the action needs the i don't know exactly where we're going with this but let me give you the answer you need to know um essentially what you want to do is i i have a video uh a video it's like basically a fast setup video super fast setup and it kind of tells you the steps that's the steps. And so what happens is, is exactly that. You run through the steps. And then if you think you're almost there, but you're like, it needs a little more, you repeat the steps again. That's as simple as, as it is. And, and of course, what's great is like the steps, like the first one is you tune it, right? And you check the relief. That's what's great is you don't have to retune it. Just if it's still in tune, you, you just skip that step and go to the next thing. Just go through and that'll tell you if you need to make, where you need to make your adjustments. If it needs to be over the bridge or the neck. Voodoo Fist says, hey, my Valiant Jupiter is being delivered on Monday. All right. I'm excited. You still digging yours? I absolutely love mine. Mine is right there. Absolutely love that guitar. Absolutely. Um, everything about it. <laughs> uh, I just love it. Uh, in fact, that's why I'm doing another one. I'm doing their uh, Soothe Sayer. 
uh, guitar to review that as well. Um, and, uh, man, I, I love my Jupiter. It's great. You know, um, I think it's because for me, I've been always wanting, I've been coveting, I should say, I've been wanting a Doheny from GNL forever, forever and ever. Uh, you guys, I mean, seriously, 250 episodes on the podcast, you have to go back 150 episodes, but you remember forever I was talking about a Doheny. Well, I've tried to buy a Doheny. You know what I mean? I looked at the tributes and then you get that thing like, okay, well, should you get the USA one? And then I'd find one online and then it was like, ah, it's heavier than I want. Okay. Here's one's a little lighter, but it's not the color I want. I've been looking for the right Doheny for a long time. And so when the Valiant guys reached out, they sent me an email. I already, I was familiar with them because I saw Dobie Doss did a video and I think I saw, um, who else did a video? It was like two or three channels had done videos. And, um, so that's sometimes what's nice is when you see a couple of videos for me and then they reach out to you, you recognize the email. Otherwise, you know, there's emails and you just don't know who it is. Um, and, uh, I can't, why can't I think of the other ones? I know Dobie Doss cause they built, they built him a custom guitar, like custom like all the way from scratch. And so um, they reached out and they were funny because they were one of those companies where they didn't say, hey, we want to promote this. Are you interested in checking it out for your channel? They said, go on our reverb and see if there's any guitars you like. And that guitar was kind of like, oh man, it looks like the Doheny. I was like, you know, it's kind of an offset like the Jazzmaster, but kind of not, which is what I liked about the Doheny. And two humbuckers, which is kind of what I want. And I go, all right, let's give it a try. But it's one of those things where I'm like, that's one of the things I get to do that's lucky. It's part of the best part of this gig is there's a guitar. I don't know much about the company. I don't know if it's any good. It's expensive. You know, and I go, yeah, send that out. We'll see. And then uh, you can always tell, you can always tell, and I, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm actually thinking to make sure what I'm going to say to you is 100% accurate. Because I want to say, you can always tell if I like something because it takes a while to review it. That's true. Sometimes I, cause I don't like something it takes a little while to review it. That's why I'm like, that's just contradictory. But for the most part, I feel safe saying this. If you see a guitar come in and it's sitting here and sitting here and sitting here. Um, and you're like, when's that video? When's that video? It's cause I really like it. I shouldn't say that cause now I just gave it away, but I'm going to consider you guys the close family of this channel. The reason why is I've learned from doing reviews, the more excited you are, the more dangerous you are <laughs> because it's the honeymoon phase. It's so great. It's so perfect. Run out and buy one. Spend your money. Right. And then two months later, you're like, you guys, you guys are like on the channel, on the podcast. Do you still like it? I go, it's nice. <laughs> so I sometimes, when I really like something, I keep pushing and pushing it until I go, okay, now I feel reasonable with what I'm going to say. Like, I really like it, but let's, you know, it's good. And I've, you know, like with the Jupiter, I know, uh, the Jupiter, when I did that Jupiter video, I already knew doing that video, this guitar was not going anywhere. Not because of any other reason. I'm like, no, I want this guitar. Like I like it. And what's funny is I'll say, I'll say this. If I would have, if I wasn't doing, you know, for the channel, I wouldn't have picked the relict one. I probably would have picked a non-relict one, but I really like the relict one. It's like I said, just everything about this guitar. And then I liked it so much. I even thought about like, well, maybe I'll reach out to Valley and go, can I send this one back? And you send me one that's not relic. But to be honest with you, I like this one and the way it plays so much. I don't want to mess with it. <laughs> like, I don't want to send it back and get another one and find out. And I don't, oh, this one's a little different. Like, nope, this is the one I love. So good for you. Um, my buddy Joe got one too. So his is coming too. So there you go. 
Joshua says, hey, Phil, I'm looking for a bass more than just a Fender Jazz or P-Bass. Okay, Firebird. What's your opinion on Sire, Marcus Miller, M5 or M7? I have never played one. I've just put my hands around them. And all I can tell you is the necks are very tiny. So that's something you think is cool. It's very cool. The quality seemed really good. I was at Toman and they had them. And I just, I was there and I didn't have time to check those out, right? I was, you know, we were doing all kinds of other videos. And uh, so my experience with them is very little. But what I can tell you is the ones I saw look really good. I kind of dig the, the the look and the vibe, but I have reviewed, or at least you'll see, I have reviewed now three Sire guitars. I bought the, obviously the single cut. I have the Strat one coming out and the hollow body one coming out. And the quality has been superb. Sire's gig, gig, Sire's gimmick. I say bad same gimmick, but I'll just say gimmick. Sire's gimmick is quality. Like that's what they're all about right? Like a lot of people say things like, Hey, that sire looks just like a hard bend. That's, that's a very accurate statement. The sires are in the league of Epiphones and, um, and, uh, and Harley Benton's and you name it, uh, you know, you name your affordable guitars, but the sire shtick is you can tell they're spending a lot of times making the fit and finish look really, it'd be really good. So you don't have to do that. So, But keep in mind, I still haven't done an official like playthrough on one, so I couldn't tell you for sure, for sure. Other than, like I said, check the neck specs. It, it's it's narrow. The nut is narrow and it's small. And that might be the greatest thing ever. But if you hate that, check that. Huff Daddy 75. What did Huff Daddy 75 want? He says, got a trick for your fans. Oh no. Um he put a guitar and an amp in each one of his grown kids' rooms, takes a little attention off my collection for the wife, then swapped them around occasionally. That's funny as hell. Yeah, plus you might get your kids to play guitar. That's kind of funny. See, again, I don't, I don't, my guitars are everywhere and uh, it's obnoxious. They're everywhere. <laughs> all throughout the house. There's not a room in this house. I don't think has a guitar or an amp or pedals in it somewhere. Um, but like I said, it's been my living for 17 years. So my wife, my kids, my daughter hates it the most. I think, I think she doesn't really say anything. Um, but they, you know, you could tell like, I, I actually, I don't think they ever complain. They don't, but every once in a while you can see it in their face. Like they'll come and like down the hallway, they'll be like, rows of cases line. I have right now I have rows of cases lining my downstairs and my upstairs hallways. They're just everywhere. Um, so, but it's my, my, it's been my work for years. Sometimes. And like I said, it's sometimes the customer's guitars, sometimes my guitars, sometimes companies, guitars, you know, so, but a good idea. I like it. I like it. Uh, Tama blue says, what do you think of hand wired amps versus the same amp that is stock are they worth the extra money? Well, Tama Blues, the most important thing about think about is, is it the same fair fight? For instance, a perfect example is the Bad Cat Cub 40. They make the Player Series, which is a main USA uh, PC board base, you know, uh, amp. And then they make the Cub 40 uh, uh, that's, I'm looking at right now, that's hand-wired. Now, when we talk about what's different, you have to understand a couple things. In that particular amp, they make two amps that are essentially look identical, right? But here's what's different about those two amps if you're looking at both of them in the USA. The non-handwired amp has digital reverb, has a solid state rectifier, and it has a two-way switch 
and the front like EQ switch. Excuse me. It's the beer. The hand-wired Bad Cat has a actual tank, a reverb tank in it, a tube rectifier that I'm spitting now, tube rectifier and a five-way switch. So they are physically, they have different options in them and there's different things. Um, that being said, me personally, when I play like, to, a good example to me is like Friedman, when I play like the Runt, which is not a hand-wired amp, and then I play like the, the Pink Taco, which is hand-wired, or the Dirty Shirley Mini. Again, they're different amps, don't get me wrong, they are different amps in the way that they're, the sounds and construction, but I don't hear anything like, oh man, that's not hand-wired. I don't care. I don't have any amps. Uh, I have not ever bought an amp. Here's, here's the best way to put this. I've never bought an amp because it is hand-wired. I bought an amp because I liked it. Just so happens some are hand-wired, some are not. Um, I'm looking at them right now. I couldn't even tell you. I can tell you right now, this, the majority of my amps are not hand-wired. Even the nicer ones, they're not hand-wired. I don't, I don't care. I, I, I really, I just don't. I don't care. I care about features and sometimes they'll put some features in the hand-wired version and then that's what draws me to it. Um, Travis uh, says, I bought a Gibson Studio Les Paul from Sweetwater and a, while, and a while there are some imperfections. Yeah, my friend just bought one too. He has all kinds of issues. It plays better than anything else I have. Love it. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you know, uh, you know what I was laughing about? I was playing my Gibson SG today the one that you guys see in all the videos. And I was, I forgot, it's been a while, like a year since I seen, you know, was playing it and looked at this. You can tell when they taped off the nut <laughs> and they stained it, they peeled the tape off on each side and there's like a little square about probably an eighth inch thick, right? Eighth inch by a quarter inch wide on each side of the nut where the, you can see somebody peeled the tape off, stained the guitar and then there's an unstained wood right there. And then clear coated over there. It's not the end of the world, but you're just like, I, you know, here, I was just telling you the story because it's honest to God truth. I was looking at it going, eh, that's so weird. I forgot about that. And then I'm playing it going, I bet you you'd never find a damn Epiphone with that. <laughs> so, it's kind of funny. Wigil says, Phil, can you make an F? Oh, can you make me an F-Space P90? You can make an F-Space P90. Essentially, um, uh, uh, I mean, essentially you just take the bobbin and we just space out the 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 slugs, uh, well, the screws differently drill different holes. Um, I, I mean, you know, would I do it? I wouldn't. Can you do it? Yeah. You can have somebody do it. I wouldn't do it just because it wouldn't be worth the time to do it. That's just the realistic part of this. There's no real reason to upcharge you. I'd actually, I say that, which but let me think about it in the idea. Let me tomorrow when I'm in, in downstairs doing, working on pickups in the shop, I'll look at this because I'm sure I have some bobbins. And if I can just do it, then yeah, it's not a hard thing. But it's one of those things like the problem with that is that the more you go into the custom area of doing things, right? When people ask me, like, just like anybody, can you do this? Can you do that? You start getting trapped up in that and you understand it. Sometimes it's just sucking up your time. And it's not about what I charge you because that's it's not about that. It's about like, what could I have achieved if I wasn't doing this project? So, uh, but the easy part is yes, F space is not a big deal. So you guys know, if in case some of you don't know what we're talking about, he's asking F spaces, uh, for a tremolo or a Floyd Rose, but mostly tremolo space, like a strat, um, spacing. So it's wider. The, the strings are spaced, uh, further apart from each other. So therefore the slugs need to be spaced or the screws spaced apart. You see that all the time with humbuckers F spaced, um, for, for that reason. Um, and so that's why the P90s. 
I, I don't know. Because one of those things, I want to look at it because it could be easy or it could just be easier to do a blade type thing. Not that it would be much different. Either way, you have a magnet at the bottom, whether it's six screws or a blade. It's not going to be a massive difference. Uh, Mike Goodman says, uh, Phil, do you know of any good Leslie pedals for guitar? Um, you know, I, I used to have the boss one that I absolutely love, which had the lights, the spinning lights that look like the two colors I have now, the red and blue. Love that pedal. Um, and I have the bad, no black cat. I guess that's a tremolo pedal. I don't think it's a Leslie pedal. It's probably tremolo. I use a lot of tremolo pedals. I love tremolo pedals. I don't think I only Leslie pedal. I think I've ever tried is the boss one. Isn't that funny? So, uh, if you guys have suggestions, please put that in the comments. Cause I don't think I've tried any other than that one. And that's a great pedal, but it, I mean, it's, I'm not telling you to get, you know, it's the best. I'm telling you it's the only one I've tried and I liked it. Okay. Hold on a second. Beer's holding up really good. Um, Okay, hold on. Just looking for you guys' questions. Oh. Okay, so quiet. Uh, Brian says, Phil, I'm looking for a 50s era Fender tweed amp in a box. Okay, pedal. Oh, yeah, yeah, in a pedal. Okay, so he wants the 50s tweed uh, sound. Do you have a, in a pedal? Um, do I have a favorite? I've never probably even tried that pedal, uh, or a pedal that does that. Um, because, uh, it's never anything I've really been after. You know what I mean? I have a 5E3 Fender hand-wired amp that I made, you know, in that, uh, and I love it because you crank it up and it does that thing. But Again, everybody has a different reason for this. I, I did that, again, like we talked about, about guitars. I did that for the experience of putting that amp together. It was a very fun experience, and I enjoyed it, and I highly recommend it to people. And then once I did it, it does exactly what you think. You know, you have this 5E3 amp, and you plug into it, and you crank it, and you hit a couple chords, and you go, oh, man, that sounds exactly like what that music sounds like. That's great. And then you turn it off, and you go, okay. <laughs> so it's not something that's not a tone I'm, I'm usually after. Um I'm sure there's got to be great pedals out there that do it, but I don't know any of them. So, uh, but I'll keep an eye out. You know what I mean? Like I said, I'm like I said, I've been working on doing more pedal videos. Okay. Okay, I'm looking at Mike McFly says, Phil, what's the difference for brands that sell their guitars on their own site for the same price as Sweetwater or GC? Uh, do they get screwed in distribution or do they make more money? They make more money. Um, the logic behind that, look, the, the logic behind selling direct is exactly that. You're not cutting in your dealer for 30, 40% and you're selling direct. You're also quote unquote, quote unquote, protecting your dealer because obviously you're not undercutting them. So the, that, that, uh, that, uh, firms up the pricing, you know, $9.99 on Sweetwater, $9.99 on Fender's website, you know, $6.99 on Sweetwater, $6.99 on Schecter's site, you know what I mean? So it's, it's why they do that. Um, and, uh, and personally to me, I think that's the future. 
You know what I mean? Future being, that's I think that's the goal for a lot of companies. And a lot of companies don't know it's a goal yet, but they're experimenting with the idea. And in other words, you know, I think the logic, I've heard it been so many times, I've been in so many damn meetings with companies, kind of same rhetoric, same stuff. Again, nothing negative, just kind of what they're talking about. Like, you know, it used to be uh, the stores had the customers. That's how that worked, right? We're talking about the, it used to be back in the day, you, you basically have a store and somebody would open it up a business in a town or a city, build a customer base. They would go in the store, buy their strings, buy their guitars, get their lessons, get their repairs, rent their trumpets. This was, this was the way that it was done. And then of course the manufacturers would sell to the stores, which would sell to the customers. The manufacturers over time, as the stores, as we know, there's, I mean, think of how many stores right now are physically still closed, even though COVID's kind of changed. And they're like selling online only, right? And by appointment in the store because they're selling online. The question about selling online comes down to, you know, think about this. You're clicking, let's say, here's the argument. You click on Fender Stratocaster, right? Or better yet, Fender Acoustasonic. You see, you see one out there and you go, I want to get one. You type in Fender Acoustasonic. And then Sweetwater comes up in Guitar Center and you click that. And then you click Sweetwater and then you hit purchase and they send it to your house. And now you have Fender going, well, why did we cut them in for 30, 40%? Did they sell anything? Did they do anything? I mean, we can send it straight to the customer. We send it straight. We send it to Sweetwater. Why do we need Sweetwater? So the question becomes, well, this you know, why don't we just do that? But the reality is, is that consumers are loyal. So for some point, so consumers to go, well, yeah, but I only buy from Sweetwater. I only buy from Guitar Center. I only buy from my mom and pop shop. So they're dealing with that. So this is this hybrid thinking right now, which is we sell direct, but we also sell to dealers and you see it more and more and more. And I don't disagree with any of that logic. I hate to say it. It's true. Look, I want mom and pops to survive. I want there to be retail. Um, but the reality is, is as more of us are buying Amazon style purchases of click and send and click and send, it starts getting a little confusing. I think there's service to the retailer for sure. There's, there's, there's some value there, but I understand from the manufacturer's point is like, we can just send it. You know what I mean? The only, my only negative that I've seen that I don't like is a lot of times when you're dealing directly with the manufacturer, the customer service is atrocious because they're not set up for dealing with customers. Look, you don't have to, you know, I don't know how many of you work retail, <laughs> but the hard part of retail is people. That's the hard part, right? That That's the killer. You're dealing with people. Oh, that's probably the hard part of every job, so I shouldn't just hit retail. But you understand, like dealing with customers is tough and dealing with disgruntled customers is extra tough. And everybody, we don't even think about it from the retailer perspective and the employee. Think about you personally when you're having a bad experience with somebody. You know what it's like when it feels like somebody's taking care of you and on top of it versus someone who's inept and doesn't care or inept and just because they don't know what to do. And they're just adding to the problem. You're already like, this su this situation sucks. And now this person's making it suck more, right? So you got to understand like that's a serious part of retail. For instance, for instance, um, and again, uh, since this is later in the show and the more diehards hang out to the end, <laughs> let me tell you, um, you know, I bought that Gibson Les Paul, uh, custom shop that was crazy expensive and it was not great. You know what I mean? It, it uh, like I said, in the video, you could see a couple things here and there, not great. And I started adding up and after a while, you're like six, seven things on a guitar that costs more. That guitar costs more than my first, not car, my first 
nice car, <laughs> right? And uh, here's the thing. The retailer took care of me. Here's why this is interesting. I don't trust, no offense, I don't want to say this, uh, you know, but I have to say what happened. The retailer, which I told you was Morgan Tars, very great store, took care of me 100%, better than I ever expected, right? Later, after we talked about it on the podcast, they reached out again, not because of any other reason than they just want to make sure I was okay. And I had a good experience. And if there's anything they could do for me. So we talked on the phone. And during the conversation, right, they, um, uh, uh, when we were talking, I asked them if Gibson had take care, taken care of them. And they like, no, <laughs> right? Like, they, by the way, not only no, but kind of like, why would they? And I, this is honest to God truth. I said, if Sweetwater, this is what I told them, so I'm telling you what I told them. If Sweetwater would have sent me a $7,000 Gibson Les Paul that I bought, and I did a video where I was like, man, there's, by the way, they looked at the guitar, I'm stamping here, but they looked at the guitar after I sent it back, and they agree with me. They don't think it was a scratch in the neck. They think there was an employee that maybe used a wax crayon, and then then when they shot the, the, the color over it, the wax crayon <laughs> didn't let the paint adhere. The, the, but either way, it was a problem. So they saw, so they, they admitted there was a couple problems. So I asked him, I said, did Gibson reach out? Because obviously that video has 80,000 views. You know, you think, look, Gibson didn't need to take care of me. There's a retailer taking care of me. But you would think Gibson would be interested to know how their retailer is dealing with the fact that they have a $7,000, almost $7,000 investment. You know, not, you know, they didn't pay that much, but you understand it's, that's what they expect to make gross are they going to recuperate? And they said, no, they didn't reach out. And then, like I said, they seem shocked. Like, why would I ask that? Because why would Gibson reach out? So that's why I told them, I believe this to be true. I can't, I can't say it's true, but I believe it's true. I told him, I said, if, if I would have bought a guitar from Sweetwater and did a video, Sweetwater would have, I believe, taken care of me the same way you did. Right. And maybe they did a better job than Sweetwater, but either way, because I want to give them credit. But Gibson would have definitely took care of Sweetwater. They would have called and said, what happened with that guitar? Can we see it and see the problems? And the reality is Gibson doesn't care about their dealers. So reason why I say that is I was a Gibson dealer once and they didn't care about me then. And as you guys know, I still buy Gibsons because I like their guitars. I, I buy PRSs. I buy Fenders. I buy Jacksons. I buy guitars I like. However, <laughs> doesn't make me want to buy direct from them <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Because um, I have seen how some of these manufacturers treat their dealers, including myself when I was a dealer for years. And I'm thinking, man, if they were to treat some of their customers like they used to treat the dealers, it's not going to go over well. So again, I understand the logic and I think they're all dabbling in it, but I think they all have a learning curve they better get used to. And that's uh, sadly enough what I think is going to happen, right? What I think is going to happen is they're going to sell direct to us. A couple of us will buy from them direct because... You'll go to Sweetwater. They won't have it in stock. Maybe the, the manufacturer has in stock. I'll just pick on Fender because it's easy. Fender has one in stock and you buy it from Fender. And then over time, as they keep selling, because they're not selling a lot direct, by the way. None of them seem to sell a lot direct compared to the dealers yet. Um, as they sell direct, they'll refine their customer service. By refine meaning actually put customer service in place because a lot of them don't even have customer service. They have a smattering of a couple of people that you can handle on the phone. Um, and I tell you, I have a friend who bought a Fender, uh, uh, expensive $2,000-esque, you know, Fender Ultra thing from Fender. And this is a nice, you know, this is just one story, but it was just a funny story. Funny being odd. He buys it. It was defective. He calls them up. They... Have them already send it back. They they send the replacement only after they get theirs back. 
The second one was worse than the first one. He calls them up and he says, at this point, just screw it. I just want a refund. He sends it back. And then they take, I think, a month or two before they refund. They, no, not, not a month or two. It's like a month or two before he goes, he calls them up and he goes, this is ridiculous. When am I getting my money back? And they're like, we're working on it. <laughs> and he's he was like, hey, what do you think of that? You know, what do you think of this? And I go, that's crazy. But then I said, I think I said to him, I said, could you imagine? You would never tolerate that from a retailer. There's no way. If you send a guitar back to Sweetwater for a refund, and then a month later, you had to call Sweetwater, and they're like, we're working on it. You'd be like, where's my money? <laughs> You'd be like, pay. <laughs> what's, it? what's that guy, Um, the motorcycle guy that has pay me on his hand? Where's my money? So, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. That's uh, just selling direct. and But there is, like I said, that's what I think is going on. Um, let's do the next question. Where are we at on time? Okay, perfect. Let me do this. The last super chat, and I'm gonna try to hit both sides again, back and forth, is Don. No more super chats. We have... Okay, I see everything twice, says Phil. Great show. Thank you. I, I, I think I need help. Okay. I'm falling down the telly pickup rabbit hole. Ah, what is your favorite non-boutique vintage, non-boutique vintage, vintage, vintage hot telly set? Huh, non-boutique. Probably, and again, this isn't really a good answer, but it's uh, it's going to be my answer. Um, I use like Lindy Fralins in my telly, uh, you know, my te- personal telly. Um, and, um, I like them a lot. I think uh, one of my favorite Telecaster pickups, like if if you want really nice pickups for a Tele, but they're not crazy expensive, uh, it's the Quarter Pounders by Seymour Duncan, which are technically not Tele pickups. It's kind of like putting P90s. But I think if you want great Tele pickups that aren't crazy expensive, Quarter Pounders, man. Uh, and you can pick them up used. Pick up a used set. I have a, I think I have a brand new set down in my shop in the case. So, um, so, cause there's always, you know, it's, they're always great to have around. So that's what I would recommend me personally. There's a ton of great tele pickups out there in the market, but I love the quarter pounders and, and they do, they sound amazing for the price. Um, Craig did a super chat. I appreciate that. Ron says for, for all the good information that makes me fix so many poor, poorly set up guitars. I appreciate that. Uh, Gravedigger Dale says, don't get to catch the show live anymore. Uh, I could tonight, though. Awesome. Thank you for joining. Now, Dawn says, buy a bigger house, keep more gear. That's never going to happen. <laughs> Absolutely never going to happen. Um, nope. Uh, my wife suggested to me about a two years ago to get she wanted to go get, uh, like air conditioned storage, you know, you get storage, but I guess they have it air conditioned cause you would need it. Cause it's, you know, sometimes it gets 118 here in the summer. And, and, uh, by the way, this was cause she was like, you know, Hey, this just when we're overflowing from the gear, cause the videos and stuff. And I told her flat out, I said, look, before I would ever, <laughs> ever put any of this stuff in storage, I, I would, I would sell it all. I could care less. Like I said, it's not the right answer because I, I really love it. So it's like when I say I could care less, I mean, I care about it, but, you know, 
I, I think at this point there's a you know there's a few guitars. I could definitely go to five guitars in one amp, no problem. Um, I just don't know how to pull it off of the channel. I think about it all the time. Every time I try to downsize a little bit, you know, I, I've already had it happen a couple of times where I got rid of a pedal. I just recently got rid of a pedal, recently being in the last year or so. I got rid of a pedal and I was like, okay, I don't use it. And then I had two videos where I'm like, oh, I need that damn pedal. So I had to go buy one used again for the videos. Yeah, Dirt Racer X says, buy a house in Arizona, good luck. Yeah, of course, you can't. Arizona is like all the states that that have been uh, their prices went crazy. I can't even afford to live in my house anymore. What I mean, and some of you guys will understand what I mean by that. So you know, I don't want to sound bad because a lot of people are paying rent, and the rent is just insane right now. So I understand. Again, this is a guitar channel. I don't want to get too much into that, but um, but so you know, the in, the prices in my, in my where I live have gone up so much that physically, like I couldn't buy this house for anything close to what they're, they're, you know, these prices have gone for. And so my wife was the first one to say it to me, like, you know, we couldn't even live in this neighborhood anymore. And same with our neighbors. My neighbors are two, they're two school teachers, right? Husband and wife, they're both teachers at this, at, a, at one's a high school and I think one's junior high. Same thing, they couldn't, they, they bought their house like 15 years ago and there's no way they could live here now if they sold this house, you know, if they didn't buy it 15 years ago. It's crazy. Um, so yeah, that's one reason. But the other reason is, like I said, I'm never buying a bigger house to put more stuff in. It's just not care less um okay i'm looking for a couple little by the way um just to say thank you johnny did a super chat hold on a second thank you johnny johnny is like <laughs> So you guys know, I've talked about Johnny before. Johnny is like super into helping the channel out. And what I mean by that is I think Johnny owns every single version of pickup I make. So he has my P90s, my single coils. He has my humbuckers. He has both the, the limited edition stands. He supports me in every way you can imagine. I mean, there's a bunch of you, so I don't want to, you know, but, and so, you know, um, it's not the, I mean, financially it's, it's, it's important. I mean, this is part of the, you know, anybody's job. The money is important, but you know, some days you wake up, especially during COVID during this COVID time, this last couple of years. And you're just like, this is just, does this even matter anymore? Do I, should I even do this? I'm not in the mood. That's really what it is. Um, I recently talked to a couple of YouTube channels that secretly we were all talking about this, that during the height of COVID, you know, we were making content, but deep down we were like miserable and didn't want to do anything. Like a lot of people were just like, you know, I don't want to do this. And I got to tell you like Johnny and people like that, it's not because they support the channel. It's just because like, they're so, they're so excited about it. You're like, I got to get my ass up and do this. So thank you, Johnny. I appreciate that. Um, I feel like, I feel like more and more, and I think you'll probably see a couple channels talking about this more and more, not to be like, you know, uh, have therapeutic sessions, but I think you'll see more and more talking about how hard it was to make content for a while because at the time we didn't want to talk about it. A lot of us didn't want to talk about it because obviously you're trying to make uplifting content to raise people up. <laughs> you don't want to be like, man, it really sucks out there. But at the time it was a little, it was a little scary, especially if this is how you make your living. You're like, I have no idea what's happening tomorrow. <laughs> Especially when, like, I, I thought I talked about this briefly before. Especially like during the height of all that, the boom, nobody was sending any products, so you're just almost out of pocket on everything for like like you are when you start your channel. And after a while, you're like, this is getting scary because you're like, I can't, 
<laughs> trust me, when you buy a $600 guitar, you can't make $600 on a video on, on average to pay that guitar off, even when you sell it. So thank you guys so much. Chris. Um, Oh, man, that sucks. Rico B says, today I finally received my Silver Sky SE from Guitar Center. It arrived you sending it back. That sucks. Now, is it is there a problem with it? Because here's here's the, like, as you know, I've had my, everybody's had their toe-to-toe with the Guitar Center and their problems. But just so you know, just as a friend, I'm going to tell you, um, if it's a good guitar, play it, right? Hey, look, you got 30 days to return it to Guitar Center. I'm not saying to keep it 30 days, but just like I said, don't don't feel like, oh, I got to get rid of this back, uh, get this back to Guitar Center. Uh, you know what I say, man? If you got it today, uh, right? Is that what he said? Finally received it. He didn't say he got it today, but he said he received it. Play it this weekend. See if you like it. And if you do, contact Guitar Center, get a manager or a supervisor on the phone and see if you can get them to give you a deal on that thing. Look, you, you know, that, to, to compensate you for that. Because here's why I say that. I don't know what you paid, but I'm assuming you paid the 850. But I can tell you right now, I don't think you're going to be able to buy a used Silver Sky for less than 700 bucks. So if they can catch you, you know, a 15% deal, it might be worth it to keep it. If it's fine, it's just, you know, obviously it's, by used, I, I'm assuming it was a floor model and, you know, people played it. So it kind of has a used vibe to it. Just a suggestion, of course, don't, don't, you don't have to do that. You send it back and get what you want because you deserve what you want too. And if you want a brand new one, um, there you go. But I would, I, I think in this market, I would, I would think about that as a suggestion. <laughs> Bullico 06 says, Sweetwater is what Guitar Center wants to be when it grows up. I'm sure they want Sweetwater's money because <laughs> Sweetwater, I think, is making a lot more money uh, net than Guitar Center. Remember, they're making about the same. They're, they're both over a $1 billion company, but you can imagine the overhead Guitar Center's got way higher than Sweetwater. It's my assumption. Um, Anthony says, Phil, I hope all is well. I own a growing live sound PA uh, company and I want to add a backline. I need one bass amp, two guitar amps, uh, five to $600 used price point, any recommendations and something versatile. Sure. Well, what I would versatile, of course, but in today's day and age, especially with backline, you gotta understand most people are going to use backline are going to have pedals for the guitar amps. I would think about, uh, the, the standards, right? The standard amps and amps that take abuse. For instance, if I was going to have a, you know, su suggest a guitar amp to you, definitely a hot rod deluxe. It's, it's just, a, it's especially in the price point. You, again, I don't know what the market is used, but if you, you should be able to pick one up for $600 used, a hot rod deluxe. It's a great pedal platform. Most guitar players look in a backline. A lot of times, if you ever deal with backline, a lot of you have, I have where, you know, you go to a gig and that's just what they have. You don't want to be like, what is this? And they're like, oh, and you turn the gain. You're like, what's happening? Like, oh, when you turn the gain, lasers shoot out. You know, like, what the hell is this? You know, anyone experienced that, it kind of sucks. Um, so you really like bass, metal, treble, presence, you know, volume gain, pretty straightforward, run a pedal through it. Uh, you can get something out of it. So I would say definitely if you was going to have a start a backline of amps, Hot Rod Deluxe is definitely a go-to for that. And then if you did that, then the next one, I would probably say a Marshall DSL uh, 40 combo, right? Something like that. Something very straightforward. Again, probably find that for a deal too. Uh, both seem to be pretty good. I hear more problems from, from viewers about the DSLs than I do the Hot Rod Deluxes, but you know, little bit's a lot, look at the draw, but I've played both, reviewed both, and both pretty good. Again, 
get it, you know, they can plug in a Marshall and get a good town or they can run their pedals through it. Uh, bass amps, because uh, you said, oh, you need one bass amp. I'm not, I know it's funny because I'm a bass player primarily. You think I have a better suggestion? Uh, I think a bass amps right now, it's easy because you can understand bass amps, just so many bass players are not using bass amps. You probably can, I don't know where you live, but you can probably go to a half a dozen guitar stores and find a great deal on a bass amp. There's, trust me, there's somewhere there's a Galleon Kruger or, <laughs> or a TC Electronics or a PV or a Fender bass amp sitting somewhere where a dealer's like, 300 bucks is yours. And get them a 115 combo or something like that and you'll be fine. That's what I would suggest. So there you go. All right, before I go, let's, uh, let's find one last... I apologize for the, get the little bit of the hiccups from the beer, I guess. But we almost finished it. Like I said, that was the Iron Maiden Trooper beer. Oh, look, there was more of you. This beer was more than my, oh my God, it was more than my cup. That was awesome. Uh, I'm not used to the bigger cans like this. Um, let's do, yeah, uh, J Jameson said Ampeg SVT. Absolutely, that's another gold standard. For a base amp. For sure. Okay. Okay, so we'll follow up with what uh, uh, Rico B says. He says, thanks, Phil. The Silver Sky SE, the neck has a ding, in, and the neck pocket has a paint flaw. Missing the trim arm. Spent 30 minutes on the phone. Guitar center manager said they'd give me $25 off. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. Yep, that sucks. That sucks. Yep, I understand where you're going with this. Um, you gotta let it go. Uh, yep. Okay, on that note, I'm gonna let you guys go. We did a, a great show today. I wanna thank everybody who hung out with me today, everybody who supports the channel each week, uh, everybody for indulging the Iron Maiden beer again. I don't want to say in care. Uh, let me know in the comments if you like the whole trying out a beverage and give me some, it's not really part of this show, but it's kind of fun. Um, <laughs> I noticed this. It's harder to keep on my toes. I know that's not a lot of beer and I'm definitely not tossed at this point, but I find drinking and then trying to keep my set focus on what I'm doing is a little bit more different. Kind of adds to the game, so to speak, <laughs> keeping me on my toes. Um, but uh, on that note, I'm going to say I'll let you go. I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. I have some videos coming out. I hope you guys enjoyed these videos this week. A lot of videos coming out next week. I think there's three next week because um, they're already done. Um, we're just, you know, setting up the release times for them. A lot of interesting stuff and some stuff just more basic. On that note, uh, you guys have a fantastic weekend. And until next Friday, know your gear. <laughs>